So this morning, we're going to change gears a little bit. We've been in 2 Corinthians, which we'll get to, but we're going to take the next few Sundays leading up to Christmas and consider the reality of God being with us and what the scriptures have to say about that. And I'm really excited what God's going to have for us in the next few weeks on those lines. But we will get back into 2 Corinthians and finish that um, up and I'm thinking the first week or two, yesterday we had an elders meeting and we spent the melt, uh, most of the time together talking about church vision and moving forward and some of the things that God may have for Freedom Fellowship. And I'm excited to share those things with you guys. And I think we might do that the first week or two of January. Uh, search the scripture because the Bible is pretty clear what the church is supposed to be doing, right? It is God's method, the local church, to reach the world with the gospel. Um, and we are blessed and honored to be a part of what God is up to. So this morning we're going to look at uh, Psalm 84, if you haven't turned there yet. You can also mark Philippians. We're going to be looking at chapter 4 and chapter 3 a little bit this morning. Let's pray before we jump into the study of his word here. As always, Father, we want to just thank you for this time. We love Sunday mornings. We love opportunity to gather together with other brothers and sisters to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, we pray and ask that our hearts would be open this morning to your word. We know that there is much hope to be had in you, Jesus, for you are the hope of this world. And you came. Lord, and you're going to come again. You've even promised your Holy Spirit to be with us until you return, Jesus, and we're so thankful for that. So as we consider you being with us and what that looks like as believers this morning, we pray that you give us some clarity, encouragement in the Spirit, and we ask in your name, amen? Amen. So we are all familiar this time of year with the Gospels and the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold. And when we see this word behold, you guys know what we need to do? Pay attention. Grab a hold of this. And the verse says, A virgin shall be with child and bear a son. Let's pause for a moment. Does that kind of sound like Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? Uh, it sure does. You guys can check it if you want. But here, Matthew is quoting Old Testament prophecy. Jesus promised to come, the Savior of the world. God himself was going to be with us. And guess what? He did it. And he's going to come together. Again, aren't you guys kind of excited about that? I sure am. And what were they going to call him? His name shall be Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So this is going to be our scripture over the next few weeks together in this name given for God, God with us. Emmanuel only shows up a few times there in Isaiah 7 and also in chapter 8 and here in Matthew chapter 1. Some of you guys may have driven by churches where you see a church that's called Emmanuel or Emmanuel. You guys have seen some of those churches? Well, what's the difference there? Emmanuel is not the Hebrew, okay, it's the Greek Septuagint and how they translated it, but it means God with us. So I do like churches that are named Emmanuel. What a great reminder, right? Hey, God is with us. So for the Christian, 
We all go through different times, and we have some mountaintop experience. How many of you guys have had those times with Jesus? God doing and moving in your life. We're like, this is mountain. This is great. I've never experienced anything like this. This is wonderful. This is beautiful, right? We've all had those as believers, you know, and there's things that shake out in life that we're just blessed by. You know, maybe it's family or a baby JL or (laughs) whatever it might be, right? We're just blessed. Maybe it's even getting a raise like, oh, Lord, this is just a blessing. There's a lot of different things in life that can come our way. Maybe it was just a really good parking spot outside. Like I pulled right up to the back door. I'm like, I should do this more often. This was nice today. Um, But anyways, we also have valleys in times and seasons where we go through difficult times. How many of you guys as believers have had some of those? All right. Where maybe you're going through a, a trial, you got bad news, you're facing something, you're scared, you're hurting, you feel alone. And oftentimes when we consider valleys, what takes place in the valleys? Battles often. That's where wars are fought. Um, A lot of times you might be in a place of loneliness or desperation, but it's also in those valleys, guys, and as believers, you guys can testify to it. Isn't that where we grow in Christ? It's through those times and those seasons, those hardships, that our faith is really built, and we're going to experience God in a different way, and sometimes in new ways. Some of you guys struggle with anxiety and depression, and through those seasons of those you know, hard times, there's some growth and faith that is built. But you guys ever notice that there's more valleys than mountains? We live in the Fox Valley, right? You guys ever look outside and see all the mountains all around us? We don't have any mountains here in Wisconsin. It's kind of boring here, right? But we have a lot of valleys that are around, and that seems to be the case overall. Many valleys in life, but there's very few mountain tops. Speaking of the Fox Valley, since you guys brought it up, at a season as a young man, I've been doing some discipleship with some young guys. They're only 19 years old, and it's got me reflecting a little bit to when I was 19. That was a few decades ago now. And in that season of time, there are those mountaintop experiences you have. You're walking with the Lord. You're stepping out in faith. You're growing in Him. You're sharing your faith. It's an exciting season. A lot of new things in God. Fun, right? Mountaintop experiences. But then we have the valley. And I remember being a young man and God said, Son, I know you want to do this. I know you have a heart and you want to do mission work, but I'm going to call you go back to the Fox Valley. You're going to go back home. And I wept. (laughs) I did not want to come back home. Why? Because I was on the mountaintop. Literally, I was in the Alps in Europe, mountaintop living in a castle, mountaintop experience. We are every weekend going out and doing these mini missions trips and seeing people come to faith daily. It was excited. One of those trips, we saw over 50 people get saved. There was literally a church that was uh, born, okay, established in Romania in just a week-long missions trip. Kind of excited. I wanted to go back and hang out there and you know, be a part of all that God was doing. That was a mountaintop experience. Talk about exciting stuff. Would you guys agree? I don't think there's anything more exciting than seeing people come to faith in Jesus. 
And God spoke to me very clearly, son, I want you to go back home. And I wept. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't like what you're asking me to do. I grew up there. I don't like the church I grew up in. You want me to go back there? It's dry. Do you guys know that in the Fox Valley, we have a lot of good people? A lot of good family. I actually know people who've moved here from all over the country because the Fox Valley is a nice place to raise a family. Good jobs, good people, nice neighborhoods. Cost of living's a little cheaper than other places. But spiritually, it's pretty dry, isn't it? A lot of good people who are good enough, they don't think they need Jesus. It's still that way. Do we see people still come to Jesus? Yeah, but it's a little harder. I might have to share with a hundred people before somebody bows the knee. Where you go to some places in the world, they're broken. They're in a valley. They're looking for a savior. And you share the gospel, and it seems like everybody you share with is getting saved. So I want you guys to think through this with me for a second. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, and we are called. Isn't that Man's chief end, to know Jesus and to enjoy him forever. We should be enjoying the Lord. And we have those mountaintop experiences in life where we're enjoying him and that's good. But we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Now, earlier this year, a lot of you guys know I got to take a sabbatical, some time off. And I don't think I've ever done this but I just want to share with you a couple short journal entries of my time during the sabbatical and some of the things that God was speaking to me during that time. I have a cool calendar. Um, you guys ever get these calendars? A little daily planner? Yeah. Sonny provoked me to use mine as a journal, which I wish I would journal more. But I want to share with you guys, this was the first day of my sabbatical. I took some time to get away. I was just going to pray for a few days, just alone with the Lord, to be still with Him. I wrote that morning, I woke up to a dead phone. My phone's never dead in the morning. I said, God is funny, because I had asked Him to help me disconnect, that I may connect with Him. So God does have a sense of humor. My phone's literally dead. Anyways, I journaled a bunch of stuff that first day. I was just kind of unpacking. But that evening, and this is what I want to share with you guys, I wrote this. The word he downloaded tonight is a call of endurance. Forsake self-protection. My desperate cry for it by embracing his promises. My needed foundation of grace is that through faith, that God truly would get glory through my life. I think he's preparing uh, much for me while resting during this sabbatical, but I also believe that there's a battle that I will go through, all while to focus on Jesus and to get to know him more. I welcome it. P.S. I'm truly exhausted, feeling like I finished a marathon. That's how I entered my sabbatical. And that next morning, guys, I slept till 10 a.m. I don't think I had slept at 10 a.m. since I had kids. Okay, so that was a blessed uh, sleep that night. But the first day of my sabbatical, I really felt like the Lord spoke to me. You're, you're going to need to endure, son. My grace is going to suffice. You're going to rest while warring. You're going to go through a battle. 
but your desire and part of my journaling is really a heart cry to want to be closer to Jesus, to know him more. And guys, the Lord answers our prayers in that desire. But oftentimes we go through things in order for that to happen. And we grow as Christians to a place where we actually invite it, don't we? We'll come along the scriptures that say, count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that God is going to do a work through those hard things. And the blessing, and I think the biggest blessing in all of it, is we get to know him more. So if we really enjoy God during those mountain times experiences, when the valleys come, we will welcome them because we'll get to know him more. I just want to share just a couple more things real quick. There's a lot I'd love to share, but a couple of the highlights through this, and some of you guys know I shared a little bit after I got back from sabbatical. During it, we took a road trip. The first day of a 6,000 road trip, I got a kidney stone, okay? Literally months of dealing with this kidney stone. The last day before we headed home from out west, I was in the ER room dying from that, came home, Took a 40-day thing with tent makers up north in northern Minnesota. Had a one kidney stone pass. Had a huge one coming. And let me tell you what. Daily, just in pain and crying out. You talk about a valley. I'm just like, Lord, <laughs> I need you. And aren't we called to depend upon God in this life? Okay? And this is how we get to know him is through those hard things. And I remember saying to Sonny, because I came, I finally got home from that. Finally, weeks and weeks later, they were able to get me in. The surgery kind of went wrong. I was hurting for weeks after that. And I mentioned to Sonny, you know, I think I'm finally on an upswing. And the day I told her that, I got a headache. That was 10 weeks ago. I've had a crazy headache for 10 weeks straight. I've seen doctors. I'm on meds. They just change up meds again this last week. But I can tell you in truth, guys, I'm okay with it. Because even through this, even though it's months and months and months now of not even a single day with just relief, being normal, God has used it in ways to know him that I've never experienced before. And growing in, you know, just a depth and a greater understanding of what his grace looks like and who he is how to really tap into his strength when we're weak. That's what happens when we go through the valley. So there's a sweet place of staying and remaining in that abiding place with him. You guys know what I'm talking about? No matter what you're facing, I'm with you, Jesus. You're with me. And there's benefits to it. Uh, one of the things I jotted down when I was really going through, I said it's cool to be still and to know that he's active. Because that's how I was feeling when I was going through a few months of just kidney stones. I'm supposed to be hiking and enjoying the great outdoors and experiencing the wilderness, right? I couldn't do nothing. Just laying around, felt like I was dying. But he speaks in those, in the quiet. Also, that we don't need to be the defender. Because you guys know what? As believers, we're the defended. Okay, I'm not the protector. Why? Because I'm the protected. I'm not the provider because I'm the provided for. There's something when you get to close to Jesus and you really get to know him, there's new realities that begin to sink into our 
lives into our understanding as a Christian, as a follower, as a child of God. So it's like, whoa, this is who you are. Here I am, and I've been doing all of this trying to make up for who you are and who you are for me, who I am in you. I'm going to leave it at that. There's more I'd love to share, but we need to consider the reality of God being with us. And that's where we're going to look at Psalm 84 together this morning. So let's take a read. We're going to just look at a few verses. You guys may recall earlier this summer in May, uh, Wes hit on Psalm 84 for us. Uh, and I was blessed by that sermon. But some of those scriptures have been resonating in my spirit since then. And uh, we're going to take a look at just a few of them together this morning. It says in verse 1, blessed is the man. And oftentimes when we see the word blessed in the scriptures, it can be translated as happy. Or happy is the man whose strength is in who? Themselves? Oh, good. You guys have a good translation. It says in the Lord, right? In you, in God, whose heart it's set on pilgrimage. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Now, first thing I want to look at with you guys is the valley of Baca. Okay, this is desert country. Okay, there's thorns. Things have a hard time growing there. Wild animals, Vipers waiting to bite you. There's just danger. So it was nearly impossible for anyone who was traveling through this valley not to face some type of hardship. They were going through the valley. Now the Valley of Baca has been referred to or is known as the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Weeping or the Valley of Loss. That is what it's known for. That's what it's often called the valley of tears. But did you guys catch that we are blessed are those whose strength is in you? You see, if you don't know God personally, what you have is all you have. You guys know what I'm talking about? Do you remember life before Jesus? If you don't have God, you're stuck with yourself. You are what you are. It is what it is. All you have is all you have. And oftentimes, that's exhausting. Oftentimes, you can't take it anymore. You don't think you're going to make it. That's why a lot of people choose just to die, to give up, to leave this life. Now, it doesn't say here, blessed are those who make it on their own. You see that independent mindset that we're taught here in the West, right? Aren't we called and taught by the world to be independent? You got to do it yourself. That's why all the best-selling books we have are what? Self-help books, right? <laughs> you can do it yourself. You need to be independent. It's all about you. You got to make it on your own but we've been created by our creator to be dependent upon who upon him upon god okay that's what we've been created for so when we are weak 
His strength, guys, is made perfect. And I do believe unless we go through those hardships, those trials, those valleys, we're not going to be able to tap into his strength or know his strength to experience it in a real way to know what it means, what that looks like. Because again, we don't want to look weak. We don't want to be seen as being dependent. But that's the way God's created us. Why? That he would be all in all. Now, I want to read for you verse 5 again from a different translation. Some of you guys like the New Living Translation. It puts verse 5 this way. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their minds. It says heart in the New King James. But here it says sets their minds on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So blessed are those who have their minds towards God. That's what it's saying. Now, there's a lot that goes on in our mind, right? I forget how many decisions we make a day. I think it's like 20,000 or something crazy, they say. Okay? We have so many choices to make. Okay? Oftentimes, when people go through a battle, it's really in the mind. It's not really what's going on. Oftentimes, it's all taking place up here. Well, again, guys, we're called to renew our minds in the Scriptures Colossians chapter 3 tells us to set our mind on those things above, right? That's where, but you don't know. I'm in the valley. I'm in the circumstances, hardship. I'm going through this stuff. It's real and it's hard. Don't you see? Don't you care? And God says, no, I want you to set your mind on things above. Because let me tell you what, there's always temporary things going on in life. It might be something today, and it might be something totally different tomorrow, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. It may be a season, and that season might radically look different a year from now. There's so many people, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. Well, guess what? You're probably going to make it through, because if you examine your life for two seconds, how many other things did you say the exact same thing about in your life in the past, right? And you made it through all of those, and yet you're here. So blessed are those who have their minds towards God. If you haven't flipped to Philippians yet, flip there now. We're going to look at chapter 4, verse 8 for a second. And I know many of you have probably even memorized this scripture, but I want to consider it with you guys, maybe in a new light, maybe reading it in a way you never have before. So happy are those who have their minds set towards God. If you're taking notes, you can also jot down Isaiah 26.3. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it promises, God promises, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Okay? And isn't it cool when we go through hard things? Okay? Because we're all going to go through it. Don't think it a strange thing when you fall into various trials. The Bible says, it's going to happen. So don't think it's strange. But isn't it cool, because we all go through the trials, but when we're going through a trial, when the peace of God is with us in it, it's like when the peace of God is there, it's like, you know what? I can face anything. I can make it through anything because I have your peace. It's a peace that surpasses my understanding because all I see right now, it's not making any sense. It's a mess. 
but you've given me your peace. It's the coolest thing. And you guys know what I'm talking about as believers. That type of God peace, that shalom. All right, let's look at chapter 4, verse 8 of Philippians. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever ever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, what are we supposed to do with those things? Meditate. Set your mind. Think upon those things. Is that our natural tendency to do that? I think for most people, our minds go to the negative. Would you guys agree? I think that's our human nature for most of us. Some of you guys are just optimistic, and I wish I was more like you, but a lot of people just want to go to the negative. But God says, hey, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, hey, set your mind, think upon those things. Now, I want to consider this scripture because this is a scripture a lot of people go to when they're trying to figure out what to do in a situation. When they're asking the question, God, what is your will? What do you want? What do I need to do? And then we kind of use Philippians 4, 8 as a filter, right? Well, is it noble? <laughs> is it praiseworthy? Is this an excellent thing? And I think that's good to do, okay? But also, I think that's often in the reverse because it kind of filters everything down instead of opening everything up. I like reading this verse now to say, hey, whatever is good, whatever is praiseworthy, if it is noble, if it is a lovely thing, whatever, think on those things. Because I think sometimes our thinking gets so narrow as Christians, we're not open to what God's doing. And I think that's true when we go through the valleys, too. Because all we see is all the dark things, the hopelessness, the hard, the circumstance itself. And I'm physically going through it. Anxiety is getting the best of me. Am I ever going to get through this depression? I don't know. I'm so caught up in this. Okay? And all we look for and seem to see are just, you know, just a few little things that might be good. Just a few little rays of hope. But I think if our minds are really set on those things above, where Christ is, whatever. Do you guys know we have a big God who's up to a lot of big things? Yeah. So whatever. Let's open our eyes. Let's our minds engage with God and what he's up to. Because I think there's a lot of whatever happening all around us, guys. So, even in the hard things, how do you embrace that? How should we think about those things? For me, probably a lot of you guys, you value sleep. You guys know what I'm talking about? You just you know, want a good night's rest. It helps a lot. It helps us when our bodies aren't doing well. What's the thing that's most needed? We need rest. But I can't sleep. I keep waking up at 2 in the morning. I can't get back to bed. And if I do wake up, am I going to be able to fall back asleep? Because last night it didn't happen. 
I should have just got up anyways and did things because I was going to be sleeping anyways. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, so you're like, amen. So those things can weigh heavy on us, right? But when we realize that God is there with us, okay, when our minds are set on things above, it's not, hey, I can't sleep. And I can say I've really struggled with my sleep. I've really gotten down and gotten anxious before going to bed. Am I going to be able to sleep tonight? But I can say through the crazy trials over the last almost seven months of daily just in pain, waking up with a 10-millimeter kidney stone saying, you know what, I want to hurt you right now really bad. You're not sleeping, okay? To, hey, I'm waking up every night with a headache pounding in the middle of the night. To not, hey, this is a bummer, <laughs> but hey, the thing I say is not, oh, I'm not getting my sleep. I've purposed, and God being there with me is, hey, I'm at peace with you, God, right now. Even though my body is physically off, <laughs> you're with me. We can talk right now. And I've tried to practice prayer over the years when I couldn't sleep but I feel like it's not a practice anymore. It's just a doing because I know God is with me. The second I wake up, he is there. He is my Prince of Peace. And even in pain, he is with me. And I can be okay. I can just be okay because I know that he's with me, guys. And I think when we have our mind set, not on the circumstance in the valley, but when our minds are set upon God, we can enter in and enjoy that peace. Would you guys say, you know what, that sounds biblical, that sounds right? I actually hear commands in the scripture about that. That's what God's asking us to do, is set our mind on him, to fix our minds upon him. My heart may be anxious, but you know what my mind can be? Fixed upon him. Right, My soul can be aching. There could be loss. There could be a very real hardship, but my mind can be fixed upon him. My emotions can be racing like crazy, but my mind can be fixed upon him. Do you guys get what I'm saying here? This is what God wants us to grasp as believers. I'm never going to leave you. That is a promise. I'm never going to forsake you. He is with us. There is grace to be had. He's promised a grace that will suffice. He's promised us a peace that surpasses understanding. Well, things are too much. Marriage is too hard. It's in a bad place. My in-laws are driving me crazy. Christmas is coming up. And if you knew my family, you know Christmas is not that fun. Or some of you might be like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for Christmas. There's just things in life that get overwhelming, guys. But is your mind fixed on God? Not, I know my mind should be fixed upon him. What you're preaching here, pastor, is nothing new. I get this. There's a difference between knowing it and doing it, guys. Is my mind actually fixed? fixed on him or is it fixed on what my kid is doing wrong right now 
or what they didn't do or what they should have done or why this didn't work out or why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. Where is your mind fixed? Now, look at verse 6 with me. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make its place of springs. The autumn rain covers it in pools. So we may have, we may be in that valley, but you guys know the valley is not the destination. That's not where we're going. We're just passing through. We're on a pilgrimage, guys. We're passing. Aren't we pilgrims here? Isn't that what Peter tells us in the scriptures? This isn't our home. We're just passing through. And that's what valleys are for. We're just passing through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil, for thou art with me, right? He's with us. Even in a deadly valley, he is with us. What do we have to fear? When God is with us. And when is God with us, guys? Faith, right? Do you believe it? Because let me tell you what, the second you put your faith in Christ, you're born again of the Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are born again of the Spirit. He comes and he makes his home in you. And he's never going to leave you or forsake you. That's pretty cool. That's a faith thing. But we have to keep living in that faith. So just, you know, when it comes to the valley, let's get over that mentality of I just want out. <laughs> and many times we do that, don't we? We just want this to be over. We want it to be done. Let's embrace what God's wanting to do through it, okay? Because there's a way through. It's not out. There's a way through it. And what is God doing through it? So a lot of times we just want out and we miss what God is wanting to work in our hearts in our lives, through it. And I think sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's not always about you either. Yeah, he loves you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to know his peace, to walk with him. But sometimes we go through things just because life is life. Sometimes we go through things for the glory of our king. He's going to be glorified. It's not about us. It's about his glory. And sometimes, I believe, guys, we go through things to be a light to this dark world. You Christian, you're facing the same thing I'm facing. But the way you're dealing with it, the way you're facing it, the way you're going through it, it's radically different. Because I'm ready to give up. I'm over. I'm done. I have no hope. And here you're full of hope. And you even have it worse than I do. I spent some time in Philippians this week. You guys can jot down Philippians 3.10. And he writes in that verse that his goal is to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his what? Suffering. Isn't that a weird way to put fellowship with Jesus? I want to know you more. I want to have intimate fellowship with you, God, and it's going to come through suffering? <laughs> what? 
and to be conformed to your death. That's what Philippians 3.10 says. That's a little crazy, isn't it? So nothing else in life matters is what Paul is saying to the Philippian church. He actually says in verse 7 there, hey, I'm willing to lose everything. All my earthly possessions, everything I have, everything I am, I consider, I, I want to know you. That's the only thing I desire, right? And he considered everything else as being worthless or garbage. Some translations even dung. Everything is just junk compared to knowing Jesus. That I may gain Christ, verse 8, right? That I may gain him. Is that your mindset? Is that your heart's desire, brother and sister? But you don't know what I'm going through, pastor. Don't you know this is going on in my life? I may know. I may not know. But I want you to know the one thing, guys, is Jesus. That should be our heart's desire. And what we're talking about this morning makes sense when he is treasured above all else, when he is number one. It makes sense, and it is good. And you see his goodness and his faithfulness. And when you seek for him above all things, when he is your number one desire in life, your heart will find its heart's desire. Because our heart's desire isn't just to get through this trial or for our marriage finally to be right and good, or for me to have that job, or to get to that place in my career, or for my family to be well. The desire we long for more than anything is him. Because he is it, guys. We've been created for him, to fellowship, to enjoy him. And when we enjoy him rightly, guys, I think all the other things in life, we're able to enjoy and have a right mindset about. So let's consider together where it tells us in Psalm 84 here about Jerusalem or Zion. Do you guys see that here? Okay. It's speaking about the house of God, the refuge city, the place of peace. So to get to the city of refuge, they had to travel through the Valley of Tears. You guys see why these scriptures are really cool? That's how they get there. They have to travel through the Valley of Tears. For many guys, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. That's the point I want us to grasp here this morning. This is how we get there. We want it. <laughs> we just don't like how we get there. And some of us aren't willing to go through it. We're trying everything to make it stop. I don't want to go this way. <laughs> Isn't there a detour? Isn't there a way around this? Because I don't want to go that way, through there. But God says it's through this place. We have to go. So for many guys, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. So verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Or if you have an old King James Version this morning, it says it makes it a well. I like that. So when you're in a dry place, what should you do? 
dig a well. Are you dry? <laughs> dig a well. Keep digging. Well, I don't know what to do. My relationship with the Lord right now is dry. Are you digging in his word? Are you digging in prayer? Are you digging a well? You see, when you're in that dry place, you need to dig. Okay? And sometimes, guys, you just dig a hole. Why? Because when it rains, what's going to happen? Oh, <laughs> it's not dry anymore. <laughs> I got a little pool now. This is cool. So, show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. Guys, we can have all the faith in the world, but what is that faith doing? Is it doing something? Are we being faithful along the way? Are we digging the wells in those dry seasons? Are we staying faithful? How many brothers and sisters, if they were Christians, do we see who don't believe any longer? They don't walk with Jesus anymore. They haven't been in a church in years. What happened? Things got hard and they gave up on their faith because things got hard. Things didn't shake out the way they wanted or the way they shot have happened. They tried to get through it on their own instead of humbling themselves and receiving the grace of God in that time of need. Because they made a bad choice, God's not real anymore. I don't know if my faith is legitimate. So therefore, I'm just going to give up. I love the shortest prayer in the Bible. Does anybody know what it is? That's the shortest verse, shortest prayer. Lord, help. You guys remember Peter was sinking in the storm? <laughs> Talking about a bad circumstance, right? And what does the Bible tell us? Immediately, Jesus reached down and grabbed him and pulled him up. Isn't that cool? Immediately, crying out. We need to cry out. And when we cry out, God is right there. It's going to grab us. So buried in this passage of pain is a promise. Are you guys seeing this here in Psalm 84? There's a promise here. Okay, If you dig it, God will fill it. If you draw near to me, what will he do? Draw near to you. That is a promise. If you seek me, he says, you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you. So God rarely reveals himself when we're rushed. I just want to get through this. I just want to get to the other side. I just want to get home. My oldest is learning to drive. Pray. He's getting better, and he's a pretty good driver to the point now when we're out practicing, I'm no longer watching the road the entire time. I'm trusting him enough that I'm starting to look out the windows a little bit and just enjoy being a passenger. And it's been kind of fun because we're driving around the same neighborhoods we always drive around, but I'm like, oh, they got a cute house. Oh, look at their landscaping. Whoa, I never even knew that house was there. I never recognized that before. 
And sometimes, guys, I think we're in such a hurry to get to where we're going that we miss what's all around us. So, God is with us in the valley. Don't miss him. A lot of times, where's God in this? He's right there. He's right there, but your mind's not set on him. You're not looking for him. That's why you're missing him in it. God never says you won't go through the valleys, but you never have to go through the valleys alone. That's his promise to you and I. So it's dark. Maybe you're going through a trial, a storm. Maybe there's trouble this week. Maybe you're feeling weak. Let your light, or let his light into that darkness. Let his presence be in that problem. Let his peace be there in the storm. Let your joy or his joy be there in your trouble. And let his strength be there when you are weak. Maybe you're scared for your life. What do you do? You trust God. Isn't that what we did when we cried out to Jesus to save us? Right? We saw where we we're headed. Oh boy, I've, I've sinned against God. I've rebelled. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I know where I'm going and it's really hot there. Hell sucks. I don't want to go there. But then you heard the good news that there is a Savior who is able to forgive your sins, who took his sins upon himself. Didn't we look at that last week? That substitutionary atonement, pretty cool. And we put our trust in him, we put our faith in him, and he healed us, he forgave us. So we praise him. We praise him even before the answer comes. You guys ever do that? Have you grown in your faith? Have you matured to the place when things come your way? Well, this really sucks, but God, I praise you for what you're going to do through it. I thank you that you see the end, and you're going to get me through this, that I can count this joy. Lord, I thank you that you woke me up again at 3 in the morning. Here we are once again. What are we going to talk about? What are you going to do? I had a lot to do tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to get back to sleep. You know what? He shows up. You guys ever see him do that just over and over again? Like, I'm really weak right now. I'm a mess. And then he does beyond what you thought was capable. He shows up. He gives you the strength, his strength, to get you through. So I want to encourage you guys, enjoy him on the mountain, get to know him in the valley, seek his strength, fix your mind upon him and dig wells. Amen? One last scripture, let's stand to our feet. I want to share with you Psalm 139. This is one of my favorite passages of scriptures, uh, definitely one of my favorite psalms. Um, I'm going to read through this. I'm going to ask Oz, hey, Ozzy, would you come up at this time? We're going to close our time in just some uh, prayer together because I know there are things we're going through, and Ozzy's going to take some prayer requests and uh, just pray for us in closing just some of the things that we're going through because it is one of those things. We know God is there to bear our burdens. He is with us. But one of the ways he does provide strength is through one another, through the body of Christ. We get to bear one another's burdens and pray for one another. So we're going to close our time uh, with that. But before we do that, I'd like to read here Psalm 139, pick it up in verse 7. David cries out, where can I go from your spirit? That's a great question, right? 
Where can I flee from your presence? If I go into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths or in hell, behold, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or if I settle on the far side, or if I sail to the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. Isn't that cool? Very cool.